If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and, of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan here joining you uh, as we are almost to the dead period. And Nebraska has been very productive thus far as sitting at nine commits as of taping time here on Wednesday. Uh, I think they'd like to be around 15 for the start. Um, of the season you know they don't want much more than that because nobody really knows the numbers and I think that's everywhere in the in the country Um, I think when you start taking too many high school guys then it limits you with transfers and it's a whole new world of balancing I think you address your key needs immediately with guys that you recruit in the summer and then you have to kind of play the rest of the year by ear uh, based on need based on roster moves but with that said Nebraska picked up their ninth commitment here of 2023 from linebacker Hayden Moore out of Regis Jesuit in Aurora, Colorado, 6'3", 210. Um, and you look at Hayden Moore, offered by Michigan, offered by Iowa, Iowa State, Colorado, UCLA, Nebraska. And Nebraska's offer came you know, early in the spring evaluation period. I know Barrett Rood went out there in April, looked at him, and Nebraska came in shortly after and you know they targeted him as a key need I think from the get-go and Colorado has always been a place where Nebraska has been able to get guys Um, it had been though four years since Nebraska had signed a player out of Colorado I think Hayden Green or Hayden Moore excuse me is a guy that at least as of now is a low three-star I do think as he gets evaluated he will go up in ranking Colorado is one of those states they just don't get a lot of attention for prospects in that area. There's just there aren't versions of Husker Online out there. Um, you know, there's just not a lot of day-to-day coverage like what we're used to in Nebraska or the SEC or Texas. Um, so guys like Hayden Green don't get a lot of the coverage. Maybe a guy like him in Dallas would get, and I think that's probably where his rankings at. But I look at the offers when Michigan and Iowa come in and offer you as a linebacker. That's pretty telling. Kansas State was in there too. UCLA. Um, and Nebraska gets up to commit number nine. I think the other thing with Hayden Green that jumps out to me is he wants to play baseball at Nebraska. We haven't really seen that work. Um, Kyrie Cooper is really the last guy that's tried both, and it just didn't work at all. I mean, he wasn't really great at football, and he ended up not being great at baseball. He was drafted fairly high in high school, came here to try to play both. I think we learned the commitment is hard. Now, Hayden Moore is a pitcher, and – I think he'd like to pitch and play linebacker. I mean, that is a really, really rare combination. And as of today, he wants to do both. So we'll see if that can indeed happen for Hayden Moore playing both sports. Uh, but this gives Barrett Rood, you know, really a key guy that he wanted in this class. And now moving forward, I'm really watching Maverick Noonan. He was at Stanford here over the weekend. Um, I do think. Nebraska is in a great spot. I, I would be shocked, at least as of today, if they don't get Maverick Noonan. I think the question is, when will he make that announcement? Um, I, I know the Iowa visit that was set for this weekend was canceled. Um, you can't take any more official visits now or go on campus to other places until the last part of July. That's the next time visitors are allowed. So um, will Maverick want to wait it out that long and take a visit to Iowa? My read is no, but you just never know. 
um, with that process. Um, I think Nebraska, though, is in a very, very good position. They had seven official visitors in this last weekend. Um, a couple guys out of Texas, Dylan Rogers and Tayshawn Wilson. Um, then you had um, Edna Cars, Ryan Robinson Jr. here, a defensive back. So it was a Travis Fisher weekend as Wilson and Robinson Jr., both defensive backs. Dylan Rogers is a linebacker. Uh, then you had some commits here. Dwight Boodle, Sam Sledge, William Watson III. Um, we have him listed at 6'1". Um, you know, when you look at his heights on the recruiting services, uh, you hear grumblings that he's probably closer to 5'11". So I, I think that's going to continue to be the discussion with William Watson, his overall size as a quarterback. I've stood next to these tackles. You can go on the Husker Online um, social media channels, and you can see me standing. I'm 5'11". I'm standing next to the tackles like Bryce Benhart, Teddy Prohaska, and I, it's hard to see. I mean, you, you, if you're a quarterback that's that size, you know, throwing in the pocket will be interesting. But William Watson, a special talent, a leader, great arm talent, um, and that is who Mark Whipple wanted. And he was here again. This was his third trip to Lincoln as uh, Nebraska's quarterback recruit of 2022. Now, this weekend, uh, just three official visitors coming in. And it's a big Mike Dawson weekend in a lot of respects. You've got two East Coast. All three guys are defensive front players uh, that we have confirmed coming in right now. Cameron Linhart um, out of IMG Academy, a four-star, 6'2", 230 edge guy. And then Dylan Fontes, a uh, three-star out of Brooklyn, New York, 6'4", 260. And then Trey Wilson out of Garland, Texas, Lakeview Centennial, 6'3", 245 will be here. So for Mike Dawson, he will have three key targets on campus this weekend. And, you know, that that's big because uh, they've got the one commit right now in Riley Van Poppel on the defensive line. I think they're in a very good spot with Maverick Noonan. Um, I think of that group of three, you could see maybe two of these guys. I mean, I think they're really in it with Linhart. Michigan State, to me, is the other team. And then I do think they're in it with Fontas. Uh, Trey Wilson will be a lot tougher, in my opinion. Um, but... For Mike Dawson, I think this is a, a big weekend for him to kind of solidify what the Huskers want to do on that defensive line moving forward. But as I said earlier, at nine commits, I think they'd like it to get over to around 15, and we'll, we'll kind of see where that goes from there. You know, in other news, spent a lot of time this week around guys with Nebraska's defense. Um, it was around all the defensive linemen, the outside linebackers, the corners, and the safeties. And I, I think my biggest takeaway, number one, O'Shawn Mathis, Stefan Wynn, two really just great people. And I think leaders, high-character guys. And I think when you look at just the makeup of some of the players they've brought in, you always are worried about transfers and JUCOs, how that's going to affect the dynamic of your locker room. I don't see that with these guys. I don't see the defenders being brought in like O'Shawn and, and Stefan you know, those type of players. And then, you know, guys like Caleb Tanner, I'm just amazed how much he's grown and matured in his time. And Garrett Nelson, to me, he's the leader, not only of the defense, but this entire football team. Um, he's as focused as I could ever remember. He's ready to roll. And I think he is kind of the face of this team right now in a lot of respects. Um, the big question, I think, is how will he play this year at a heavier weight? What will his, you know, effort level rep level be at a heavier weight really at more of a true defensive end and he's going to be going against one of the top tackles arguably in the country week one from Northwestern so and he mentioned that to me he's like I'm really looking forward to this game against Northwestern in Ireland because right away I'm going to see one of the best players not only in the conference but college football uh, Northwestern is led on the offensive line by Peter Skaronsky um, who is currently ranked as the top tackle in all of college football right now, um, according to many different draft websites. So um, we'll know right away just how O'Shawn and Garrett stack up because they're going to see the best in Dublin, Ireland in week one and Peter Skoronsky. Got a great show here on tap today um, as uh, we work your way here through the Husker Online show. Going to be joined in our next segment. Had a long talk with former Husker quarterback Joey Gans. Uh, we hit on a lot of different things. Joey is now a receivers coach at Northern Iowa, but he is recruiting Nebraska now hard, and he'd like to get 
you know, two or three type of kids from the state this year. I think he's, um, you know, put a lot of time in here. He's worked camps um, here. So uh, we'll hear from Joey Gans. Uh, defensive back Braxton Clark will join me here as well. He has been with Scott Frost now all five years in Lincoln. This will be his fifth year. Had a great conversation with Braxton Clark. And then Gordon Witten from the Granary Green in Ralston will join me. Uh, another showing of the day-by-day movie out in Ralston. Uh, we'll catch up with Gordon, talk more about the venue and the movie showing out there this weekend. Every Friday night in June and July, they're showing the day-by-day movie in Ralston at the Granary Green, 27-foot screen, food truck, great setup, um, drinks, everything you'd want, and a great time. I talked to Matt Terman this weekend, and I told Matt, I go, you got to go out and see the movie, Matt. You're, you are a prominent role in this thing. Um, and they interviewed him. He's with his dad, Tim Terman, uh, watching his son at the Nebraska football camp on uh, Friday. And he, he thanked me for that. He didn't realize his role was so big. But tons of great interviews and footage in that movie from former players and coaches um, and some never-before-told uh, never stories from that 1994 national championship season. Then I will close the show with questions in the mailbag. That's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. Hi, Sean Callahan with the Husker Online Show. So what are Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone, I didn't misread that. That's up to $1,200 off, and they must really like you all. Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan here as we're closing in to kickoff. It's hard to believe fall camp about a month away from Nebraska. Where is summer gone? Uh, and uh, please, you know, we had a great opportunity in the last few weeks to have several members of the Husker football team join us here in studio. I've uh, got another member of the team, a veteran. Um, we joked off air, you're a Scott Frost OG. Mm-hmm. Uh, Braxton Clark coming back for his fifth year at Nebraska, two years of eligibility, defensive back out of Orlando, Florida. Braxton, uh, welcome. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you, you're, you're kind of the old man now in that yeah, in that yeah. defensive back's room. Yeah, something like that. It feels like that now, too, seeing everybody gone and stuff. But it's, we got a good group of guys in right now, and I'm ready to have fun this year. We had, I mean, you talk about what you've seen and learned over the last four years at Nebraska because – um, you've, you've learned behind some pretty good defensive backs, Cam Taylor Britt, Deontay Williams, Markel DeSmuke, um, Travis Fishers. You've been with him from the get-go. Um, you know, talk about the last four years and kind of what you've been able to pick up and kind of the, the role you've established. And, you know, on, on the other hand, you've had to be very patient as well. Yeah, 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 that is true. And, uh, I've learned a lot from those veteran guys. Um, just a lot about just attention to detail, you know, just how to be a pro at certain things and just – taking care of your body and just all the little things that build up make the big things. And those guys were big on culture, you know, keeping the culture in the room. How we had a culture how a certain way it should be ran, and they just wanted us to keep them past the torch to us. So it's been good. I learned a lot of things about myself too as well, just how to get the best out of myself every day in and day out. So, yeah, I would say I learned a lot. Yeah, and guys like Deontay particularly, I mean, and Markel, I mean, what kind of example did they set behind the scenes just – you know, they were six-year seniors in the program, both fathers. I mean, I mean, they, they, they were really mature guys in that role when you go back and look at what they did a year ago. Yeah, they definitely were. Uh, you know, Markel, he was like the quarterback of the defense last year. You know, he lined everybody up. And then Deontay, he's just super athletic. You know what I'm saying? And just within the defensive back room, they just they led by example and they led by their voice too. They, they showed how to be leaders, you know, to the younger guys. And they showed us the ways we should do things. And extra film time was key to them and just all the little things they showed us that we probably wouldn't look at they did so I say we learned a lot from them we're joined here in studio by Nebraska defensive back Braxton Clark the junior from Orlando Florida and yeah it's hard to believe I mean you've been with Scott Frost since day one and there are a lot of guys here that can say that Um, I mean what changes have you seen when you look at the program right now from where it was a year two three years ago what are some of the biggest things that you've seen change for the good um, 
especially this off season. This off season, I would say just it's just more of like it's just feels more like it's running more of a program now. Like I wouldn't say it was a program back then, but I just feel like the way things are structured and just how everything is going now, it just it just seems like it's just going towards the right pace. And then like I wish like if we would have had this schedule that we got, I know it's like the rules changed a little bit. We get a little bit of extra time to work now, but I just feel like um, younger players are getting the plays faster now. Uh, the training, which is everybody's getting faster and stronger, and just I've seen a lot of good changes within offense and defense and special teams as well. Yeah, I think people forget. I mean, just the the development time you guys lost when the COVID stuff hit. Yeah. I mean, you lost a spring. Mm-hmm. Um, you lost a lot of regular training time. I mean, go back to that time and just how different those off seasons were compared to now, which is kind of been really your first true normal off season. I guess a year ago kind of was, but we still had COVID protocols and things yeah. going on a year ago at this time. Yeah, yeah, I would say it definitely was different because like even fall camp, like we had fall camp for the first time regular, like how it was um, because COVID stopped it for like two years, I think. So just like, just getting the hours in, just getting back to the normal schedule, it felt different, but it felt like this is what we're used to. This is what we're supposed to be doing. So. COVID did. It was just weird the whole season, not having the fans, just everything. It was just really different. I love having the fans in Memorial Stadium, you know. How many times, if you go back to that time, how many times do you think you've been COVID tested? Like over 200 times? It was, we was taking a COVID test like five, six times a week. I mean, it was nuts. For like three, four months straight. Mm-hmm. I remember, were you at Purdue that year in 2020? You guys won the game out there in West yeah, Lafayette? yeah. There was a running back and uh, Marvin Scott, mm-hmm. and like he had like a false positive, and, uh-huh, then, and then they yeah. had to like I'll never forget that like yeah. they they like made him stay in the hotel like a prisoner, mm-hmm. and then they realized it was a false positive, and then they bring him over to the stadium yeah. and like having to do his own warm up. I mean that there was just some crazy things when you think about two two years ago and kind of what you guys were dealing with in football that year. Yeah, it just made things like it wasn't smooth like like football like we like to get in. We like to warm up. We like we like to be on schedule. So like just having distractions like that going on just kind of not messes with the game plan, but it can mess with the psyche a little bit before the games. What have you seen um, just with this defensive back room? I mean, there's so many guys battling right now. Um, you know, not a lot of for sure starters. I Man, I feel like there's eight or ten of you guys that all think that you have a pretty good chance still to be in a big role. I mean, what what have you seen kind of behind the scenes with that competition? Just every day, every day we just we compete to make each other better. But it's like it's brotherly love in there. So like we always correcting each other. Just if we're doing something wrong, if somebody does something better, you know what I'm saying. And even in the weight room too, like we're pushing each other. To, if he does a certain weight, oh, we want to try to do that weight as well. So it's just it's been for the better. And you want competition within your room because it makes everybody better. There's no weak links. Yeah, when you get guys like Tommy Hill coming in and, and Omar and others, I mean, I'm sure in your shoes, you're like, shoot, I got, I got to, I mean, you got, because, yeah. you know, there in December, no one knew what the room was going to look like. And then mm-hmm. by January 1, the room looked a lot different. Yeah, it did, it did. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those guys pushed me, I pushed them. And like, we all just, we all just try to be brothers in there. You know what I'm saying? It's good competition. Guys like you and Quentin Newsom, Miles Farmer, I mean, you guys are kind of the, the veterans of that group. And Marquise Buford, too, I mean, is a younger guy, but does a good job leading already. Uh, but particularly Quentin and Miles, I mean, and yourself, I mean, how have you kind of, I mean, do you feel like you guys have tried to step up more and, and, and help young guys and kind of be in the leadership roles that are now opened? Definitely, yeah, definitely, yeah. We all try to lead by example. We all lead in different ways, but we all, we've been trying to lead by example for the most part. You know what I'm saying? We're going to crank it up a lot more when it gets during the season. You know, summer, we're trying to just get everybody, you know, settled in, some of the freshman guys, see what they're working with, see how far we can push them and stuff like that. So a lot of that stuff will get wrapped up more, like, during the season, more film times, extra film, and they don't really know how things are supposed to go yet. So, but yeah, we all been just trying to do little things, you know what I'm saying, getting extra DB time in, and like we said, like, getting more film in. We're talking here with defensive back Braxton Clark, uh, the fifth-year junior from Orlando, Florida. Uh, Braxton, I think the guys in front of you on defense are going to get a lot better too. I mean, you look at what O'Shawn Mathis uh, coming in and Devin Drew will be here later, but then you know, you'll have a guy like Stephon Wynn, mm-hmm. Garrett Nelson now, I mean, looks you know, the part physically like a defensive lineman now more. Yeah. Um, I mean, how much can those guys help the secondary this year, especially – 
if you can get those four man pass rushes with some of those guys that we just mentioned. It's key. It's key. Like if you can send three three people on a rush and we can have eight in coverage, you know, it makes our job so much easier. You know what I'm saying? So having that D line up there, they are best friends. You know what I'm saying? We appreciate them so much. You know what I'm saying? So we just it just looks good. We see them working out with Coach Duval every day. Just like yesterday, Fees he uh, squatted uh, like a whole bunch of weight. You know what I'm saying? Just seeing those guys. Feast is kind of an under-the-radar one, right? Yeah. But he'll be a factor this year. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Just all those guys, Ty Robinson, O'Shawn. I haven't met some of the new guys yet, but, yeah, all those guys. Like, we just look bigger up front and just it looks the part. Yeah, O'Shawn, I'm just curious. Like, off the huff, off the bus, what do you think of him? Just looking at him, just, like, running around a little bit early on. Yeah, he looks good. He looks really good. You know, he's just learning, and he's been – He's been wanting to lead, but I can see he's been following, just trying to see how things go, and he's been working really hard. So, yeah, I like O'Shawn. And you guys uh, will open up in Ireland. You know, your your fall camp opens at the end of July, the last week of July, summer workouts in July 22nd, so it's right around the corner. But when you start to think about that, I mean, that game in Ireland, um, number one, how excited are you for the opportunity to go overseas to play a football game? But number two, obviously, that game – you don't want to say a make or break, but it really does set the tone for the whole year. It really does. Um, first of all, I'm, I'm excited to go because I've never been out the country, period. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I'm just excited for that experience. But we also know it's, it's business, you know what I'm saying? It's a business trip, not not to have fun. You know what I'm saying? We're, we're there to win the game. That's why we're coming. And, and like you said, it does set the, the schedule off. We want to get the schedule started off 1-0. and So, and that's all we've been thinking about in the weight room, 7-on-7s. Everything's been about Northwestern. Now you grew up in Orlando, though. I'm sure you grew up around pl- plenty of tourists. I mean, oh yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah, tourists all the time. What was it like? I mean, living in Orlando, growing up with the Disney parks and Universal and all the things down there. Like, yeah. I mean, did you go to that kind of stuff all the time, or like, did kids like get those seasonal like Florida resident passes and uh-huh. go? I, I mean, I wouldn't say I really went to Disney a whole lot. I've probably been to Disney like once or twice when I was a kid. Universal, I probably went more, but I mean, growing up as a kid, if you're from Orlando, you probably not gonna go to Universal and Disney like all the time. I mean, some people do, but not really. It's just other things to do, you know, go to the beach, you know. I was really outside playing sports with my friends all day, so. What's the high school right next to Disney? Dr. Phillips? Doctor, that's the one I went to. That's where you went to, okay. It's, yeah. it's next to Universal. Yeah, I, I, uh, I've been right to that high school. I remember parking right there, yeah. It's, yeah, that's my high school. So yeah. you, I mean, you were literally on top of like, I, yeah. I can only imagine how busy traffic was with just Disney oh, yeah. every day. All the time, all the time. Like Universal like, is right there, so it's across the street. So we'd be at practice, we'd hear like screaming on the rides, like stuff like that. Wow, well, hey, uh, Braxton, we appreciate you coming in, um, taking an opportunity here to talk. I know we'll catch up later. We got some video interviews scheduled here down the road too, but uh, thank you for uh, coming in and looking forward to watching you guys get going. Appreciate it, thank you for having me. All right, much more to come. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan here. Uh, just heard from defensive back Braxton Clark um, as Nebraska working their way closer to that season opening game in Ireland uh, with fall camp starting up here in late July. Um, but pleased to welcome into the program now, uh, former I say former Husker great, former Husker record-breaking starting quarterback, now um, coaching at Northern Iowa going into his third season. Let's welcome in former Husker Joey Gans. Joey, it's great to catch you up, man. Thanks, Sean. It's good to be here. You know, you're, you're throwing that great uh, word around pretty loosely now, so I don't know if I... Uh, I don't know if I, I, I'm up there with the, the greats of this program, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm excited to be back, uh, you know, talking a little Nebraska football. You still went the, the Kansas State game in your final year in 07. Um, didn't, I think you guys engineered, what, 10 touchdown drives in that game? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, yeah, it was pretty unheard of because, you know, obviously Coach Callahan was at that point probably coaching for – you know, what he thought might be, you know, his career or not career, but, you know, life at Nebraska. So, I mean, it got to the point in the third quarter, I think we were up like 40 points and we opened up the drive first play of the game or first play of that drive. And we called four verticals and I was like, well, it's first and 10, we're up by 45 points and we called four verticals on the first play. So 
uh, there was like a, there was a point where even as a player, because at that point you're just kind of, you know, you're in the zone, just trying to execute as much as you can. But there was a point where at that particular play, I was like, oh, he's he's doing this for a reason. And then I think we had another three or four touchdown drives after that, and then uh, finally got pulled. And if I remember right, 70 points, and there were no turnovers from Kansas State. I mean, that was like a legit, like, 10 traditional scoring drives. Yeah, I think we went – I believe we went three and out the first drive, and then I think we put together – I think we strung together 10, 10 straight. So, yeah, it was pretty – it was fun as a, I mean, especially as a quarterback, because I mean, I was, you were throwing the ball. I think there was one drive where I think you ran it maybe five plus times, but other than that, we were just, I mean, we were, it was just play call after play call was just throw, throw, throw. And as a quarterback, that's your dream because you, you get in a rhythm and then you stay in a rhythm and it, it was just, it was kind of lights out from there. Well, now Joey, you're obviously coaching in, um, in Iowa and you were at Youngstown state before that. And, um, you know, doing a lot of things on the coaching field. I'm sure um, it's tough to follow Nebraska with your regular gig, uh, but how much do you just try to keep a finger on things and kind of follow from afar um, when you get a chance? Uh, I mean, a lot in terms of, like, on the field stuff. You know, the the whole recruiting aspect and, like, you know, all that. It's just, it's, I mean, you know, you're so busy with your own stuff that you got to worry about. Uh, but like on the field game type stuff, as many games as I can catch, I still watch, you know, whether we're on the bus, um, you know, after games, whatever on my phone, I try and watch as many as I you know, physically can. Uh, you know, the one, you know, the one positive, I guess, from our season uh, being canceled during COVID for the fall when we had to come back and play in the spring was I got to watch every game. And um you know it kind of it kind of brought me back into because you you don't lose a little bit of fandom but it's it's like you said it's just harder to kind of keep up um but then you know i had nothing to do all the fall except you know be a, a nebraska football fan again and, and chicago bears fan again and um you know obviously both those seasons didn't work out great for me <laughs> but uh it was fun to it was fun to have that you know those those kind of viewer butterflies that you get to you know, watch something that you, you know, truly do care about. Um, but yeah, I mean, now I, I try and keep up as much as I can. And, uh, you know, every game that is on at a time that I can watch it, I make sure that, you know, whether it's on my phone or whatever, uh, you know, I'm in front of something that I can keep track of. I'm curious on your perspective on this. I mean, you're a former Husker quarterback and you, and you know what it's like to be a quarterback here. Scott Frost is a former Husker quarterback. He knows what it's like to be a quarterback here and, and what you deal with. And, you know, Adrian Martinez had four years here as a starter, put up good numbers, had moments. Um, I mean, how tough do you think that had to be over the offseason to kind of make that decision in Scott's shoes to, to kind of go in a new direction when Adrian could have come back for a fifth year um, and then they've brought in two new guys? I mean, in your shoes now as a coach and an ex-Husker quarterback, um, I mean, kind of put yourself in those shoes and be in that position at Nebraska. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough it's a tough decision to make. Um, you know, I, I'm sure there was probably you know both sides probably came to a, an agreement. I'm sure it probably wasn't you know one side or the other. But you know, either way, whether it's from Adrian's standpoint or from coach's standpoint, um, you know, that's a tough decision to make. Um, you know, do I do I think it was the right decision? I don't know. Um, you know, time will only tell. Uh, but I think it's a good thing for both because I, I do believe that the fresh start will will probably help both, you know, individuals, I guess, and Adrian and, and in the program in Nebraska. Uh, I just think having, you know, that fresh start is, is something that is a positive going forward. But, man, that had to be a, a really difficult call just because I know, well, I think I know, but just from hearing the stories about how close those two were, you know, I know that was Coach's first, you know, quarterback recruit when he first got the job. Um, you know, so as, in terms of everything off the field, the relationship, the, the time that you spend together, I know that had to be a, a very difficult decision and very difficult conversation probably to have. But, you know, short term, I think at the end of the day right now, it looks like it's probably a, the right decision for both. But, you know, realistically, you know, only time will tell with, with how, you know, the new quarterbacks do at Nebraska and then how Adrian does at Kansas State. And, you know, you're pre-social media in a lot of ways when you played quarterback, but obviously you still lived it. I mean, when you think back to your time, what, were, what was the toughest part day-to-day being a starting quarterback in Nebraska? Going to class after you lost a game. Um, that, was probably the, that was probably the hardest part. 
on me um, as somebody who, you know, I don't want to say I was young, but in the grand scheme of things, you're, you're young and you don't really know how to deal with, with that type of, you know, I guess, you know, face-to-face adversity coming from people that you really don't know. Um, you know, and there was, there was games where we lost heartbreakers. There was games where we didn't play well and lost big. And, you know, I just remember regardless of the temperature outside, I would put on a sweatshirt and sweatpants that, you know, didn't say Nebraska anything and just put my hood up and, you know, walk the class. Cause I was, you know, I was pretty inconspicuous in terms of, you know, if you saw me on campus, you don't, you don't immediately think, oh, that's the starting quarterback. So I could blend in a little bit more. Um, but you know, you still, you still heard things on the way to, to class as you're walking and you heard things, um, you know, especially if a teacher was taking attendance that day and they called your name out, you know, you'd hear groans. Um, <laughs> that was probably the, that was probably the hardest, um, that was probably the hardest part for me, uh, just learning, you know, how to deal with that part of it. Um, you know, that was, that was probably the, the thing that people really don't think about, you know, I don't. You know, this, like you said, social media wasn't huge. I can only imagine it's, you know, it's just tougher and tougher uh, now. Um, you know, but that's when you, 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 you need a good support system. And I had great teammates and, and great friends that, you know, helped me get through some of those times and, you know, helped me kind of, you know, put that to the, to the back of my mind and, and kind of put that in the past and, and allowed me just to, you know, kind of be a, a normal college kid for, you know, whatever it was, six and 12 hours and just kind of, put that all behind me and then move on. Well, Joey, and one of the guys that you played with, Zach Taylor, um, you learned under him, and I'm sure you knew at the time Zach was special at that time. You were like, man, this guy is really um, a cut above everybody. But now when you see what he's done at the NFL, going to the Super Bowl, um, getting Joe Burrow to where he's at now with the Bengals, um, I mean, how much, do you, how much do you keep up with Zach? And, and I'm sure you're as big of a Bengals fan. Or I know you're a Bears fan, but I'm sure the Bengals have to be right up there for you now too. Yeah, well, let the record state. Zach learned a lot from me um, <laughs> when we first got. So it was funny because when he first got there, I, w- I always knew I wasn't as talented as other people. Um, so I always like made up stuff in my mind to create an edge. However, it was I basically played mental warfare with myself to you know create a competitive edge over people or what I thought was a competitive edge. So you know when he walked in, I just immediately hated his guts. You know, and I made it clear to him that I did not like him for probably the first month or two that he was, um, you know, with us. But, you know, anybody that knows Zach, uh, he's, a, he's a tough dude to hate. So, um, you know, when I, first, when I finally got to see him kind of throw and see how his mind works, um, you know, in terms of, you know, making decisions and, and doing all the, the things necessary to be a good quarterback, I was like, oh, this is, this is a dude that you need to learn from. And, you know, we spent a lot of time together, uh, you know, every time that, you know, we, he was watching film, I was right there with him. And, you know, we, we created our own time before practice or after practice or whatever it was to just watch it on our own. And then, you know, obviously would go into meetings and all that type of stuff. But, um, yeah, I tried to soak up everything. It was probably one of the smartest things I've done in my life was to, to be able to had the foresight to see what Zach was and just soak everything up that I could from him. Um, but yeah, I'm a, I mean, we still stay in contact quite often. I text him probably a little bit too much for his liking, you know, especially during the season. But, um, you know, I get, I get so excited when I see, you know, him do, you know, certain things on Sundays when I'm, you know, if we are able to watch uh, a game while we're, you know, getting ready for our game and breaking down, you know, our opponent, I'll have the Bengals game on, um, you know, while I'm doing that. But, uh, yeah, and then, you know, he's great in terms of, you know, getting back to me. And, you know, I've seen him do certain things or I've asked him, hey, we're facing a team that plays this sort of coverage. Do you have any, you know, good red zone routes that you guys run to beat this coverage or whatever it is? And I remember he was – I think he was at home uh, on, I think, their Tuesday, and he was watching film, and he basically just – screenshotted and recorded probably 20 plays from, you know, his home office of the route concepts that he wanted to give me for that week. And, but uh, yeah, he's always been um, very good to me. And, 
you know, we, we were very close friends, uh, you know, when we played and, you know, as, as close as you can remain friends now, I guess, with, you know, him being a head coach in the NFL and, you know, me being, you know, a college, uh, a college coach, it's, you know, obviously it's tough to, you know, stay in touch as much as you want to, but, um, yeah, we, we, we still stay in touch quite often. And, you know, he's obviously someone that I look up to because, you know, he's at a position, um, that someday hopefully I can be at. Well, and even his OC, Brian Callahan, uh, I remember Brian would come back here. Did you get to know Brian Callahan a little bit too, when he'd come visit? Just, just a little bit, not much. Um, you know, just kind of like pleasantries or, you know, he would sit in every once in a while, but you know, I don't know him, um, uh, like that uh-huh. in terms of like we have a great relationship but i know um you know we've met a couple times and we've kind of spent a little time together but i don't know him like that and uh as we wrap it up here with joey gans there are a few northern iowa guys here uh chris kalarvik at linebacker he's kind of a more of a nickel but then omar brown who joined me on the show last week uh when uh, we came in studio um you, you coached omar you've been around omar what kind of guy did nebraska inherit um in omar brown yeah, can you guys stop stealing our players? Yeah, because we need guys to win the championship too. <laughs> um, no, but uh, Omar is Omar is fantastic. He is, and I just you know I was just working. Uh, you know, Coach Frost was um, gracious enough to let me come work the Friday Night Lights camp and Saturday camp, so I got a chance to see them. And you know, I think we're the only university that Coach allows in. Which, with me being uh, the guy who recruits Lincoln and Omaha for us uh, here at Northern Iowa, is a huge advantage for us. But um, yeah, I got a chance to talk to Omar and, and just kind of, you know, catch up with him, but he is, I mean, he is the real deal. He is, um, he, he's big enough to probably play safety. Uh, you know, he's, he's an outstanding corner. You know, he was an all American for us. I think twice he was a freshman all American here. He is, you know, he was arguably probably one of the best corners in our league and, you know, our, you know, the Missouri Valley is, you know, in terms of football and, and competition is, is, is very, very good. So, um, you know, you guys got a very good player, a, a guy who is, is humble, uh, you know, works hard. I think, I think Nebraska fans are really going to like him just because of his personality and, and kind of who he is. Um, but yeah, he is, you know, don't let that kind of quiet, you know, demeanor fool you. He is, he is ultra competitive on the football field, but I feel like he's a guy that, you know, if he can stay healthy, uh, he's a guy that can make a, a big impact for you. And I think it's a, he's a guy that fans will really rally behind because, you know, who he is and, and how he carries himself. I'm curious, Joey, um, with NIL at the FCS level, we know it's going to be a factor of losing guys. Um, but have you seen the bigger programs like the North Dakota States, the South Dakota States, Northern Iowa's? I mean, have they tried to organize, um, you know, on uh, the way, I mean, outside the program, obviously with NIL collectives and things, have some of that at least filtered into like the bigger brands and FCS yet? Yeah, for sure. You know, we have, um, you know, we've, I think we're just getting done kind of putting our collective together. Uh, I think that's what people are calling it, collectives or whatever it is. I mean, whatever word you're going to use for it, I mean, it's basically, you know, raising money to pay players. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the I think we just finished putting ours together. Uh, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, North Dakota State, South Dakota State, all those, all those, you know, the big time programs um, uh, will have them uh, as well. So, we don't deal with it obviously on a scale like, you know, you guys deal with it or, you know, other programs, but, you know, it's starting to filter down and, you know, obviously where, where it comes into effect for us is, you know, is recruiting, uh, you know, again, not at your level, but, you know, there's certain guys um, that we can't probably go after just because, you know, if they're looking for a certain dollar amount or whatever it is, you know, that's kind of taken over the recruiting world in the NIL deal, um, you know, we don't have the same, you know, type of resources, I guess, as, you know, a place like Nebraska or, or you know, even, you know, the group of five, um, you know, teams that we really, you know, kind of go up and, and recruit against. So, uh, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's alive and running. Uh, I don't know exactly for as, as many FCS programs or all FCS programs, but uh, I would imagine that North Coast State, South Coast State has one because, you know, we have one and, you know, I'm sure some of the bigger programs like the Montana, Montana States, you know, some of those bigger, um, you know, well-known FGS programs will will put theirs together soon and, you know, kind of, but we're, we're no different as coaches as, you know, everybody else is, is we don't really, you know, know where this thing's going or kind of see, 
or see what the next five, 10 years look like. We're just trying to, you know, keep up as much as we can with, you know, what's going on at the, the BCS level, the power five level. And then, you know, kind of how do we compete with, you know, the guys that we have to go after recruiting wise in terms of, you know, when we go, like I recruit against the Mac, um, you know, for the division one kids or, you know, other group of five, you know, programs, it's, you know, how can we, you know, offer those kids something that they're going to get there in terms of, you know, cause you go, you know, you go to some of the other group of five schools, um, you know, and the football, you know, isn't as good as what we play in the Missouri Valley, but you know, they, they have certain other advantages that, you know, we just don't have at the FCS level. So, uh, but yeah, you're always trying to find that edge. That's, that's really, um, you know, what it's for, uh, for us where it's coming, kind of coming into effect, but, you know, it's tough because, you know, if you do have guys that, produce and play very well for you um you know they they see guys transfer whether it's from here or other fcs uh, programs i know you guys had the the receiver from uh was he montana state um or montana, montana yes yeah, samore uh, Torre. Yeah. yeah i know you guys had him and he turned out to be a really good player for you but uh you know they see guys like that go to big time programs and have success and you know, you're always scared to death of, of losing, you know, those type of guys that come out and that, and that are, you know, game changers for you. But, you know, at the end of the day, that's, I mean, shoot, that's everybody. There's always a bigger fish in the sea. And unless you're kind of like an Alabama or Ohio State or, you know, a team that, you know, can keep those guys happy. I mean, shoot, you saw the All-American receiver for Pitt left Pitt to go to USC. So, you know, it happens everywhere and there's always a bigger fish in the sea, but you know, it's all, um, you know, it's, it's all kind of, uh, you know, up in the air, but you just, you, you know, I go to bed every night hoping and praying that, you know, one of the top, you know, two or three receivers I have on our team, you know, don't just decide to up in one day enter the transfer portal. Cause um, you know, as, as good as a coach as I think I am, I'm a lot better coach when I have really good football players. So, uh, <laughs> You know, it's just, it's something that you just, you, you go to bed just hoping and praying you don't come to work the next day or wake up to a text message saying, hey, coach, thanks for everything. Uh, you know, that's probably the, the interesting part is what's changed is you get more guys coming in saying, you know, coach, thank you for everything, but I'm going to enter the transfer portal as opposed to, I mean, shoot, five years ago, it was, the kid was always unhappy. That's why he was transferred. You know, now you got a kid that, you get, you know, as a receiver coach, you know, you get the kid as many touches as possible. He's having a great year. He's, he's super grateful, but you know, you have a different conversation, but it, it still kind of ends up the same way. So, um, but yeah, it's just, it's a landscape that's ever changing and, you know, we're trying to keep up with it as much as we can in terms of a financial standpoint. Um, but, you know, obviously, you know, we, we don't have, we just don't have the resources as, you know, some places, you know, obviously like Nebraska, but uh, you know, we're trying to do everything we can and, you know, it's helped us the last couple of years because last two drafts, we've had some pretty high draft picks. So, you know, guys see that and they, you know, they understand that, um, you know, they can come here and, and you know, accomplish as much uh, of their dream as they want to. So that's obviously helped us the last couple of years having, you know, having those three guys go pretty high in the draft. Well, Joey, really, really appreciate the time. Uh, lots of great insight and I could do a whole hour with you, but I know you've got to coach and, and earn a living too. So appreciate all your time and, Everything you've done at Nebraska, I know everyone really appreciated the way you played, the attitude you had every day, and 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 what you did for Nebraska over your five years here. Well, I appreciate it, Sean. Thank you so much. And you know, I got a chance to bring my my kids for the first time back to Memorial Stadium uh, a couple weeks ago because um, they were both born in Ohio, so they've never they've never been to Nebraska, they've never seen the the stadium, and. Um, I got to tell you, I was a little upset they weren't as excited as I thought they would be. They got a chance to. <laughs> the stadium and and see coach me coach frost and the, the biggest takeaway my son who's four is uh we got a peanut butter and jelly sandwich from the landing so that was like that was his big takeaway is that we got a peanut butter and jelly sandwich so maybe in a couple more years they'll they'll enjoy it but um yeah nebraska has always been a special place for me it always will be um you know that's why i asked coach farley if i could take over when coach Volk left for nebraska I asked Coach Farley if I could have Lincoln and Omaha because, you know, Nebraska means that much to me. And, uh, you know, I'm very grateful for my time there. And uh, it's a time that was, you know, uh, arguably the best five years of my life. And it's something that I hold near and dear to my heart. Well, thanks again to Joey Gans. Much more to come. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online show, Sean Callahan. And, you know, last week it was great. We had Josh Davis on, former Husker player, very active uh, with the alumni of Nebraska football, but now most notably known uh, for the day-by-day film that he's a part of. And uh, they're showing that film at venues around the state. It debuted in Lincoln, as you know, at the Rococo Theater um, over a month ago, and and right now in Omaha, uh, you can see that film every single Friday night over the months of June and July at the Granary Green in Ralston, which is a part of uh, the Bushwhackers venue there, uh, right off of 84th and Q, um, in between 72nd and 84th and Q. And um, pleased to bring on the majority partner of the venue, Gordon Witten, uh, to talk more about the showings. And I'm planning on being out there as well here, Gordon, to, to talk to the crowd here before the show. But, uh, Gordon, thank you for coming on and um, really looking forward to getting out there myself to see the day-by-day film. Yeah, really glad to have you come out. and We're very, very excited to be showing it here at it's the inaugural year of our Granary Green venue, and we've, you know, we've put uh, over ten million dollars into this project here, right in the heart of, of the metro area, and uh, built quite a quite an incredible outdoor venue with a twenty seven foot LED screen, and it's a beautiful place to to watch any kind of event, but particularly this day by day film. And this movie, if you want to see it, um, obviously it's not available yet on streaming or DVD. Um, so, the, I mean, this is it. I mean, if you want to take your family, um, your friends, get a group of guys, and, and you've had showings already, Gordon, um, at the Granary Green, um, you know, tell people kind of more about the showings and, and kind of the thoughts behind having it out there every Friday night here over the course of the summer. Yeah, so uh, I'm good friends with, you know, Mark and Josh, and I've known about this, uh, this development of this film for a long time. I mean, they've been working on this for years, and they've spent – way more money than a lot of people realize going out and collecting all the amazing interviews and footage that has been put together. A lot of it never seen before. So uh, we, we agreed to be the exclusive place for showings in Omaha throughout the summer. Our venue is perfect for it. Uh, by doing it Friday night, kind of late in the evening, it's cooling off and it's, it's uh, you know, it's been really beautiful. We've done it three times so far. And each time I've just been uh, both amazed. I've watched it myself now three times, <laughs> almost in entirety. Um, but the crowd, the crowd has just loved it. It's it brings back so many amazing memories, I think, and and you identify with all those uh, great and in some cases heartbreaking past experiences that that the Huskers have had. But it's it's a beautiful recognition of Tom Osborne's uh, sort of first half of his era as a Husker coach. We're talking here with Gordon Witten of the Granary Green uh, venue in Ralston, and they're showing uh, the day-by-day movie here all summer, every Friday night. Gordon, um, let our listeners know about tickets, about food offerings, drink offerings, kind of the, the entire setup you guys offer if you want to get a group of people together to come out there and see the movie. And uh, I know I'm planning on being out there this week, I, I believe, on Friday uh, to say a few words to the crowd. Um, so I'm looking forward to that as well. Yeah, so the the tickets are available at the daybydaymovie.com. That's the site that uh, Josh and Mark have put together that that sort of promotes the promotes the movie. This is part one of a part two series. So uh, the part one of this show is about an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, they can get tickets there at the daybydaymovie.com. It's $20 for a general admission ticket and $50 for VIP, which includes private bar, indoor indoor bathrooms, uh, VIP parking. Um, and we've had people purchase both tickets and absolutely love it. Um, it's uh, it's well worth it, and part of the proceeds not only go to help kind of pay back some of the expenses of developing the movie, but also some of the proceeds go to teammates. So we're pretty proud of that. I, I think Coach Osborne's agreement with the guys when when this was done was just make sure that some of the proceeds go back to teammates. And as far as food and things go, what do you guys have to offer for P- obviously full bar and drinks? I mean, uh, what what all? I mean, I'm, I'm guessing there's there's plenty of offerings as well um, for food. Sure. Yeah, it's a two hour show, and, and we're doing it from seven to nine p.m. And so 
we have a food offering every week. Uh, we've had uh, we've had different ones, and we'll kind of mix it up a little bit. Uh, we've had uh, Frank's Pizza out here, which is a new pizza place uh, just about a half mile away on 72nd, which is awesome pizza. We've had we've had a couple of different food trucks, and a lot of people really enjoy the variety of the food trucks. Uh, we will be having the Bushwhackers Kitchen open here soon, and that'll be one of the options people have. So numerous ways for them to get plenty to eat. And obviously, like you said, the drinks are, the, the drinks are probably what we're known for. So uh, there's about anything you want there. It is family-friendly, by the way. We are offering a discounted price for kids' tickets. And it's the type of event that I really think people will love to bring their kids out to because it, most of our kids haven't seen Nebraska in these kind of glory years and and it it depicts it very very well in a nice concise manner and you can understand you can understand the heart of what made Nebraska Nebraska I think I got to ask you what was your favorite uh, part of the of the first movie here yeah well there's some uh, there's some really funny scenes with Barry Switzer is interviewed telling some of the stories of the early days and uh you know, but there's there's interviews by all kinds of people that that are, are really funny. Larry the Cable Guy's in it and has quite a few uh, good clips in there. M- numerous former Nebraska players and telling some stories that uh, even some of us diehard fans haven't ever heard before. So I think that might be the the neatest part is to you're watching the footage and the clips of the key moments, but you're also hearing uh, commentary that that many of us just have never heard. And once again, it's uh, the Granary Green in Ralston. Every Friday night, uh, they've got a happy hour and an opportunity to grab food from 6 to 7. Uh, the show will start at 7. As Gordon said, it's just under two hours, so it's over before 9. Um, and you want to go online to the daybydaymovie.com website under the events part, and you can uh, save a little money if you buy tickets ahead. You can get a four-pack for $70, uh, which saves you ten dollars. Uh, children under eighteen are eight dollars, and once again, there are different VIP options as well that come with uh, parking and other things. That's the uh, daybydaymovie.com website. Gordon, uh, I'm looking forward to to getting out there myself and uh, checking out your venue, and obviously getting a chance to see the movie. Yeah, I, I just hope every Nebraska fan comes out to see it at some point this summer. It it is amazing and it is worth it and it's one of those nights not just to see the movie but to experience this new venue we're going to have hundreds of different types of events here and people just got to come out and see it for the first time so we're excited to excited to be hosting thank you again gordon and uh looking forward to checking out the place all right all right much more to come you're listening here to the husker online show This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Thanks again to Joey Gans, Braxton Clark, and Gordon Winton for joining me here in this week's show as Nebraska heading into the dead period after Sunday. It is, in some ways, a well-deserved break uh, for coaches, um, you know, who, who have, you know, for Nebraska's coaches, has been nonstop recruiting really for the last two or three months where they've been on the road or hosting recruits, doing camps, visitors, that will shut down now for an entire month uh, for the Huskers um, over the dead period. And then we're just a month away from summer conditioning ending, um, and then fall camp starts the last week of July. So we are, I mean, I hate to say it, but we're almost there, uh, and that's exciting. I mean, we're to the point where we're thinking about getting on a plane and going to Dublin, Ireland. That's hard to believe here in late June, but in about two months, we're going to Ireland. And, and, and that's going to be, obviously, as we know, as big of a game as any on the schedule. But got a lot of questions here in the mailbag. And great first, qu- first question out of the bat comes from Rob S. Fitness on Twitter. Does Nebraska take a high school running back in their class, or do they want to use that spot for another position? I think that's a great question, Rob. Um, I think you, you, you'll get different answers from about everybody on the staff on this one. Uh, I, I think right now they'll take one, but it's got to be the right one. And here's the other complicated layer to this. Gabe Irvin redshirted last year. He's still a redshirt freshman now. 
uh, because he got hurt in game four. You've got A.J. Allen, a true freshman. you got Emmett Johnson, a true freshman. You brought in a transfer um, from the JUCO ranks. Um, so Nebraska took three running backs last year, and then they still have a redshirt freshman now as well. Um, so that position group is fairly loaded, and you just hope that they can get something out of that group. Now, with that said, I do think you know there was a, a strong push to – by especially Bill Bush to get Dylan Edwards here on the roster, but um, he's going to announce here on Thursday, and I believe he's going to go to Kansas State. Um, that he's a legacy there, um, and Dylan Edwards was somebody that came in earlier in the month. But um, yeah, I think DJ Braswell. You mentioned him as a guy that Nebraska's brought in. Uh, would they take him? Maybe yes. Uh, but as of now, I still it wouldn't shock me either way. But um, I, I don't think they're just absolutely set on taking a running back to take one because of the situation with their numbers from a year ago. I feel like getting A.J. Allen late, that was just kind of a bonus um, that put them really ahead with where they want to be with their numbers. And you just hope that some of these guys they brought in, the three newcomers to the roster, um, can really make it go. Next question is from Troy Brainerd on Twitter. Will the offensive line and defensive line be ready against the Big Ten this year? I believe this has been our weak spot since Riley. We need some earth movers. Do we have them? Troy, I'll say the defensive line, I think, has held their own. I mean, I don't I don't recall Nebraska just getting physically manhandled on defense. They've matched up with everybody in this conference on defense, but I think it's offense, and it's not due to lack of physical size and strength. And I thought the Athlon Magazine comments were interesting. They, they saw more technique issues, fundamental issues as – an anonymous coach told Athlon Magazine, Nebraska is the best-looking team physically in the West. It's not even close when they get off the bus, but they have these mistakes, breakdowns, fundamental issues, penalties, things that get in their own way. Can they erase those? Can Donovan, Riola get that group up to uh, speed? Physically, it's one of the biggest, if not the biggest line Nebraska's ever had. Teddy Prohaska, Bryce Benhart, Turner Corcoran, I mean, this group's huge. They have some just massive human beings on the offensive line. Can they get that group up to speed? I think Donovan Riola is going to be, you know, his, his shoes and his job are really important this year for Nebraska. Um, next question from Paul Carney. Will all the alleged improvements in the skill position even matter because of line play? Will our O-line play be better this year? And it goes back once again to Donovan Riola. Um, can Riola get this group to play at a better level? You know, in terms of just pro football focus and metrics, the 2021 line was one of the worst ever in school history. Can Nebraska get that group up to speed? Can they run the ball with a tailback? And I think that's been the biggest issue since 2018. Nebraska got 1,000 yards out of Divino Zigbo. Can they get a 1,000-yard running back with the backs they have? To have any chance to have an improved season, there has to be, in my opinion, a running back that goes for around 1,000 yards this year, if not two, uh, because the quarterback is not going to run it like they had before uh, with Adrian Martinez. Taking your questions in the mailbag, next one is from Ben on Twitter. Have you heard anything with Husker media members or anything about the details of the EA college football game at Nebraska? Are we a Tier 1 or Tier 2 school for payout and will that, will that game this season uh, be able to have mock-ups at the stadium? Honestly, Ben, I have not heard anything. Um, I know there are a lot of NIL issues there, though, with the players and compensating the players for their usage of NIL in the game itself. So I don't have a good answer for you on the list. I, too, was once a big fan of that game. Uh, I will say I officially retired my EA Sports career really the week that my first daughter was born in 2013. Um, and I want to say that might have been the last year of the game or one of the last years. But once I had children, I said, you know what? No more video games for me. As fun as it was, um, the video game career <laughs> was retired at that point. Um, next question from Ryan here on Twitter. Do you think the lack of off-season Kool-Aid compared to previous years is on purpose or does everyone just feel that confident that they don't need to put everything out there for fans and everyone else to see to be believers? Ryan, I think everyone in general is cautious. I think a lot of people have been burned by some bad Kool-Aid over the years. And I think Nebraska, you can argue every one of the years they should have been better than they have been. 
2019, if they just beat Colorado and Boulder with all those Husker fans there and they start off undefeated, they're ranked, that's a whole different year. Instead, they collapsed, they blow the lead in Boulder, and you know, 65% of that stadium was Nebraska fans. Everybody took off their Husker gear and hid in their hotels. I mean, that was a really big program-changing night. 2020 was COVID. Nebraska had a shortened schedule. They played eight games. Um, if they just would have beaten Minnesota and Illinois like they should have in those situations, that's a whole different year. Those two games really, to me, detoured that season um, and, and the improvements they made. Last year was the toughest schedule Nebraska's played arguably ever. Eight of their games were against nine-win teams. Seven Big Ten opponents won nine or more games on that schedule. So I think schedule was a big part of it. I think this year is a lot different because of the schedule. They only see one team in their first nine games with a Vegas over-under of seven and a half or higher, and that would be Oklahoma. So Nebraska is in a great position with the over-under of seven and a half over their first nine games to start off well. But then they close, as you know, with Michigan, Wisconsin, and Iowa. Um, so the end of that schedule is brutal um, with no bye weeks either down the stretch. Um, but the front end is as favorable as you're ever going to get in a nine-game conference schedule in the Big Ten. And if they don't take advantage of that and win these games early, I think we all know where it's heading. And it's unfortunate, but it's set up this year. And if Nebraska doesn't get it done with that schedule, I think we all know what's going to happen next. Uh, next question from Cody Peterson on Twitter. Which players benefit the most from the off-season coaching change? Hmm. Uh, I would say receivers. I just think having Mickey Joseph in there and, and what he's brought, it's a 180 in terms of his style, his personality, the players he's brought in. Um, I think that's going to be big. You know, and, and I think Mark Whipple, I'm really intrigued to watch him. I mean, God, there's so many directions you could go with, with this thing with the coaching change. I mean, you can argue running back. I mean, I think you could make a case, honestly, for any of these guys. Uh, Bill Bush, to an extent, with special teams because he's brought in all new specialists. And if that can be improved, I I've heard great reports out of uh, workouts from Timmy Bleakrod, the kicker. He is what they thought he is, if not better. And obviously, they really like Brian Buschini at punter. So just those little details, making 40-yard field goals, punting the ball 45, 50 yards straight or the direction it should go, those are going to matter because that would have won some games for Nebraska last year. Uh, next question is from Phil. Percentage chance of each of the top three quarterbacks to start in Ireland? Whew. Yeah, you know, I, I don't see Logan Smothers starting. Uh, maybe he has, has a role in there with his speed because he's a great athlete. Um, but to me, it's, it's probably – Casey Thompson versus Chubba Purdy. I think today you'd got to, you have to give Casey probably a 70% chance to be the starter, if not 75. I think Chubba has a better chance than people think. Um, I know the head coach likes him. I know the players like him. He's really, really well-liked, and he's talented. Um, will he get the reps and put himself in a position in August to make it a battle? That's what we don't know. Phil, next question here. Uh, sorry, let's go to Sean. A uh, question from Sean. What position will Brody Tagaloa play? Well, he is saying tight end. I think Nebraska had penciled him in as a defensive lineman, um, so we'll see where that goes. I've heard he can play offensive line. Um, but as of at least today, um, Brody Tagaloa will be a defensive lineman. Moving on, from question from Alex. Any player co-hosted podcasts in the works for the upcoming season? JoJo's was great, um, and – you know, it'd be great to have another one like JoJo to talk about everything like last year. You know, as of now, I'm not planning on doing a player podcast. I, the structure of NIL has changed. I mean, Alex, when you go back and look at a year ago at this time, that was really what the spirit of NIL is. I, I think it's changed so much with the collectives and the way the formatting is. We're going to have great players and great access to players on our show um, because of NIL opportunities. But as far as a week-to-week -week show – I don't know if that can be duplicated again. Number one, JoJo was a special talent. He could do a show every week. I don't really know, A, if there's a player that can do one week to week, and B, if there's one that would want to. JoJo Dolman doing a show every single week, win, lose, rain or shine, that is not easy to do. I had a hell of a time doing those shows every week, and I've been doing this job for over 20 years. JoJo had to live it on the field and do it every Sunday with me after some of those tough losses 
And there were even a couple Sundays where we had to push to Monday because it was so hard to do a show after Oklahoma or Michigan State. And, you know, I give JoJo a lot of credit because uh, that was not something easy to do. You know, in one of the comments here, um, 93.7, the ticket, our, our, our great affiliate that has aired our podcast um, really since the start. Uh, they do have some sh- shows with Noah Paul Gates, Chancellor Brewington, Javin Buddha Wright. So um, there are some player podcasts, uh, but the JoJo Doman, the Beat podcast, that was kind of one of a kind. Uh, next question here, um, and this will be the final question in the mailbag. Best burger in Lincoln. Ooh. You can go a lot of ways. I'd, I'd like to add Omaha in there, but I know Omaha's account. I love Dinkers. I love Stella's. Those are two of my favorite burgers. Um, ah, man, I am going to say best burger in Lincoln. I, I'll put Misty's up there. I think Misty's has a great burger. Obviously, Honest Abe's is kind of an icon here in Lincoln. Um, it just depends what you're going for, I think, too. Um, but those would be uh, some of my favorite ones. Tanner's has a great burger, and they have a great burger night on Wednesdays. So, uh, lots of options. I don't see a Stella's or a Dinkers in there for me, uh, but plenty of great spots to get a hamburger. Well, hey, thanks again um, for joining me here this week on the Husker Online Show. Got some great interviews that are going to drop not only on the podcast channel, but as well on the Husker Online YouTube channel. Got all the quarterbacks, Casey Thompson, Chubba Purdy, and Matt Masker joining me. You, you won't want to miss that sit-down interview. I'll have it on the podcast channel. I'll have it on the YouTube channel. That will drop Monday. Uh, so make sure you download, subscribe, like our podcast and YouTube channels. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 